Take your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 16. When I heard the train this morning, I was like, wow, that train's right there. And then I heard it again, and I had to laugh because last night when I was talking to Pastor Henry on the phone and was praying with him for today, I said, out of the clear blue, I said, well, Brother Henry, I said, the church is just like a train. And he goes, huh? I go, some people get on, some people get off, but it's the pastor's job to keep it on the tracks. He goes, I really like that. Well, there's a train 10 feet away. But uh, how many don't even hear it anymore? You're so immune to it. Yeah, yeah. I heard it. <laughs> kind of cool, you know? Get on that train, amen? Luke chapter 16. When I got saved at 18, uh, the church I was in preached a lot on hell. And I didn't get scared into heaven, but I realized that I did not want to go to hell. How many here are thankful tonight you are not going to hell? Yeah. Uh, you know, I was born at night, but it wasn't last night, and my mama didn't raise no fool. When I heard that there was someone who loved me and died for me, and I didn't have to face the consequences of my sin and eternal punishment, I was open to accept the Lord as my Savior. So I have preached on hell probably not as much in the last five or ten years as I did in my first 20 years of ministry, but I believe that hell needs to be preached on more. And people, they don't believe in hell, they don't believe in a heaven. They, they think, oh, when I die, I go six feet under and that's it. But the Lord gives us, in Luke chapter 16, He gives us a very clear picture of this place called hell. And we're going to start at verse 19. This will be an expository message. We'll go from 19 to 31. And I want to bring out some things about this passage that maybe you haven't seen before. And I'm hoping that none of us, none of you, look at this passage the same after the message tonight. If you have a specific need tonight, uh, lift your hand, signify by a lifted hand, and we'll pray. Lord, I just pray that you'd meet every need in this place. God, maybe there's some financial needs. Maybe there's some spiritual needs. Maybe there's some relationship needs. But Lord, whatever it is, you can meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory. Help us to cast our cares on you, for you care for us. Help us, Lord, to understand a little bit about this awful place called hell. And Lord, help us to be able to warn people not to go there. We love you. We praise you. And we thank you for a wonderful day, the hospitality, the invite, the the good lunch, card for lunch, and, and God, I just pray now that you would speak to our hearts. We ask this now in Jesus' name and for his sake, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 16, let's start at verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine lemon and fared sumptuously every day. Verse 19 tells us about a guy that had a lot of money. Just because he had a lot of money doesn't mean that's why he went to hell, okay? And he dressed nice. He was purple and fine linen. He, he had some really nice suits, okay? And he fared sumptuously every day. And he would go to the Golden Corral Buffet. He would have all the food he wanted. He ate like a king. Verse 20, And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. 
Now, just because this guy was a beggar and he was poor, that didn't, that didn't mean that God automatically sent him to heaven, okay? Now, this beggar, a lot of times in Bible times, beggars were beggars because they couldn't work. Maybe they were handicapped, maybe they were crippled, maybe there was something really wrong with them. And, and so, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. And he happened to be by this rich guy, and he was full of sores. So we know he had bad health, okay? Verse 21, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. So this, this guy had a rough life, really did. And it came to pass that the beggar died. The Bible tells us it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. And was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Rich and poor, bond and free, big and little, everybody at some time is going to what? Die. It, the, the mortality rate on the human race, last time I checked, is 100%. 100%. Okay, they both died. Look at verse number 23. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Some people don't believe that hell has literal flames. Some people don't believe that it's eternal. Some people don't believe in the doctrine of hell at all. We have an example here. Some say, well, this is just an, uh, an allegory or, or a story. No, we have a man that God has put a name to, Lazarus. So we know this is the real deal. It's not just a parable. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented." So it didn't really matter what this rich guy had in life. It didn't matter what Lazarus had in life. They both died, and what mattered is what they did with the Lord. Okay? Look at verse number 26. And beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you can't, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. I, I, I use this for my Catholic friends, um, Mary's relatives, all Catholic, that tell me that there's a place called purgatory where when they die, they go in this limbo place. And if people back on earth light candles, pray beads, give indulgences, they can actually get their soul out of purgatory and into a place called heaven. Now, my wife's dad died at 59. We had only been married a few years, nine years, and I had witnessed to her dad. Her dad was a good, him and I were buddies. He was a machinist on the railroad, Burlington Northern Railroad. And I told him, I said, Ron, God loves you. And, and uh, I witnessed to him. I witnessed to him. For, I knew him 11 years, nine years, son-in-law. And he got sick, and seven days in the hospital, and on the seventh day, I went in there. They put him on, a, on an ink a tube, ventilator on a tube, and he was awake and alert. And on that ventilator, I kid you not, he prayed and got saved. 
and he died 18 hours later. But the whole thing with John was that after he died, there was hundreds, hundreds of dollars given called indulgences. And they brought him over to Mary and I's house. Mary's mother, her brothers. Uh, Mary's the oldest of seven. She has five brothers um, and one sister. So we dumped out all these indulgences on the table and we opened up the, the envelopes and there was 1600 bucks. This was in 89. I was 29 years old. Remember like it was yesterday. And I looked at my mother-in-law and I said, Margie, we could buy a nice headstone for Ron. And she said, oh no, Fidel, oh no. This money will have to be distributed to many parishes across the state of North Dakota so they can say masses in Ron's name to get him out of purgatory and into heaven. So I like to share the great goal fixed. You, the way you die, he that is filthy will be filthy still. He that's saved will be saved still. That's why we call it eternal life. So... Father Abraham is telling him, there's a great goal fixed. He ain't coming to you, and you ain't coming to him. Watch it. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. They got the Bible. Let them hear them. Nay, Father Abraham. Can you imagine a man in hell arguing? Nay, Father Abraham. No, no. If one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Who came back from the dead? Jesus Christ. And are they repenting? No. But if they could see something. No, seeing is not believing. Believing is trusting God's word. Watch it. Verse 31. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, if they don't believe the Bible, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Very interesting concept there. Very true. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. And if a man doesn't have faith in God's word, the incorruptible seed, he's not going to believe a miracle. And if a man does believe a miracle, what does he have to keep getting to keep believing? Miracles. What it takes for you to believe, you have to keep getting that. But once you believe the Bible, the Bible's settled. Amen? So now I would like us to go back to this passage of Scripture, and I would like us... It's actually a message for the church from hell. And I do have a little imagination. I don't want to get extra biblical or unbiblical, but I just want us to look into this passage. Verse 23. And in hell he lift up his... Say it with me eyes. This man had a vision. This man had a vision. He looked around and he saw what was going on. The Bible says, look under the hills. The Bible says, look under the fields, for they are white unto harvest. If a man in hell can have a vision, shouldn't you and I have a vision? Look around. There's lost people everywhere. If you have no vision, the Bible says, where there's no vision, the people perish. This man looked around, 
and he did not like what he saw. Oh, no. Fire, torment, thirst. He lift up his eyes being in torments, and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. God, God lifted the veil of, of hell and let this guy see where Lazarus was. And it's like, oh, oh. We need to have a vision of heaven, where we're going, but we also need to have a vision of hell. Now, if you and I have no vision when Pastor McBay and I were talking about the merger, talking about North Mesa and East Mesa, does North and East meet? <laughs> they did there. And I said, Pastor McVeigh, I want you to come to East Mesa Baptist Church, and I want you to preach your vision for this church. He didn't say, well, I don't got one. He didn't say that. He said, I would be happy to. And man, he laid out a vision. If you and I, as believers, don't have a vision, we are not going to be soul conscious. We are not, we're not going to be aware of our surroundings. You know, they say, when you go out to your car in the parking lot at night and it's dark, you have your key. Be aware of your surroundings. Be cognizant. People are dying. People are crying for the gospel. If you don't have a vision, you are not going to be the type of witness and testimony that God wants you to be. Look at verse 24. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Ladies and gentlemen, there's people in here that have been burned. And I, have a bad, I had a really good friend Really good friend in Prescott. Help me. His name just slipped me. Ken. Ken Gesser. He was a mechanic, a diesel mechanic, and he was working on uh, this vehicle, and he was priming the carburetor with fuel, and it caught him on fire. And I've witnessed to him, and I've witnessed to him, and I've witnessed to him, and I'm still witnessing to him. He said that I'm tormented in this flame. If we don't understand what the fire of hell is going to do to people, we aren't going to have a vision. And when somebody prays for somebody, when somebody reads their Bible, and we often use this term for new converts, boy, they're really on fire. What does it mean when they're on fire? They have a vision, they're concerned, they pray, they witness. And what did God say in Revelation? I wish you were either hot or cold, but you are lukewarm. And I don't want to be that type of Christian that makes God sick. Because what did he say he does with the lukewarm stuff? That's spewing out of your mouth. You like that, Caleb? Yeah. Spew you out. So I want to be that Christian, and I've been saved. I'm going to be 63 here. I was saved at 18. So how many years have I been saved? 45 years, I think. <laughs> 45, yeah. And I tried to stay on fire for God ever since I got saved. Uh, before I was saved, you know, I lived for the devil, and I want to, 
live stronger and hotter for God than I did for the devil. And so I want to be on fire for God. Verse 26. And beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. There was, I'm thinking of an S word, Adam. There was, there was, what's a great gulf? Where he couldn't go here and he could, they were separated. Not only should there be vision in the church, not only should the church be on fire for God, the church should be separated. And we think of separation as no smoking, no drinking, no dancing, no porno. That's good. We need to be separate from the world. Um, The Bible says, love not the world, the things that are in the world, because the love of the Father is not in that. And so we want separation. We don't want to be so separated that we're so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. And when you're separated, you're separated unto something. That's why when somebody gets saved, they get rid of their old music, but they get some good Christian music. That's why when somebody gets saved, when I got saved, I, I had all these kind of friends, guys. I had the, the athletic guys, I had the nerds, I had the punks, I had the stoners. And what other ones did I have? I, I got along with all of them in high school. But when I got saved, and I was in my senior year, when I got saved, and I started giving them chick tracks and saying, I didn't have to drop those guys. Guess what they did? They dropped me. They dropped me. So, yes, separation happens. But I wasn't going to act like I was holier than thou. I wanted to reach them because I was concerned about them. There, we, we need separation, but we need to understand and yes we need holiness and we need to have a good clean testimony we don't want to honor God with our lips and our heart is far from him there's a great goal fix we need separation in our lives if if you know everybody can put on a good show sometimes in a front and God is looking for sincerity God is looking for somebody that's the real deal the real deal and we need to be the real deal we need to be separated look at verse 27 ladies and gentlemen then he said i say it pray thee here's this guy in hell he's got a vision he's he's in this fire he's separated he he can't get close to heaven and now he's praying i pray thee therefore Father, very interesting. Should we pray to the Father? Yes. I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my Father's house. You know what this guy's praying for? Uh, starts with an M. What is it? Starts with an M. Who, who, somebody that goes to tell people about, huh? Missionary. Send somebody to my Father's house. A guy in hell is praying for a missionary. Should we not pray for missionary? I pray we need prayer in our church. We need a vision. We need to be on fire. We need to be separated from the world. Send a missionary. The Bible says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he may send forth laborers into his field. Here you got a guy in hell praying for a missionary. To go back and tell his five what? 
brothers. My wife, I told you, has five brothers. The way I met her was she has a brother that's my age. In 11th grade, he was my chemistry partner. And I was a wild child. Her brother was a brainiac. I mean, brainiac. And I'm his chemistry partner. We're in 11th grade chemistry, and we're doing these experiments. So I would just take random chemicals, and I'd walk around to everybody's experiment and dump them in. <laughs> so everybody, and I got an A because Jim, her brother, <laughs> was a brainiac. And I was the biggest goof off in class, throwing erasers at the teacher, laughing, joking, having a good time. So then prom time came. And I said to Jim, my chemistry brother, hey, you got any sisters that are as smart as you? <laughs> well, this one named Mary. Hey, hook me up. He says, uh, sorry, I can't. I was like, well, what, ain't I good enough? <laughs> no, she's in Germany. She was with... Uh, Experiment in international living where she got to go to Germany and live with the German family for a year because she loved German. She was taking the German language. So I said, when's she coming back? He goes, it'll be after prom. Oh, okay, out the window. And she was a senior. She was one year ahead of me. I know I look a lot younger and stuff. But uh, so I ended up getting this really fast car, 68 GTX 440 Magnum. You asked me if I'd like Chrysler products. I, I did. Had a Roadrunner too. I'm driving down the street, and back in 1977, there was a drink that was popular. Started with a T and ended with a B. <laughs> Who said that? Did you ever drink it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It tastes horrible. No, it tastes horrible. So I wanted a tab. So I pulled into like a Circle K, but it was called a Valley Dairy. And I'm walking in the big glass windows. I look. Remember he flashed that picture? I look and there she is. There she is. And she looked and I come in and she had no idea who I was. But at the supper table, they would always talk about the crazy chemistry partner kid. And I said, are you Mary Burgum? Oh, who are you? Are you some kind of weird stalker? <laughs> I said, I'm Fidel. She thought that was my last name. So I kept going back. All of a sudden, Bethany, I love Tab. <laughs> I even had a little one-year-old sister. My dad had remarried a younger woman. They had a baby. Her name was Cynthia. I had her in my car with just a diaper on in the middle of July, and I thought... If I look like I love babies, she'll like me. So I brought the baby into Valley Dairy. Said, look at Goo Goo Gaga, look at here. <laughs> July 4th, 1977, we went on a date. June, fast forward, <clears throat> June 14th, 1980, we got hitched. <laughs> so I got five brother-in-laws. And we had just gotten saved before we got married. And we had a burden for these five brothers. And man, I'm witnessing to them. I'm preaching to them, to her mom and her dad. No hope in the Pope. Uh, Mary can't save you, blah, blah, blah. One brother, the chemistry partner brother, Jim, got saved. He moved to Minneapolis and went 
to work for a big military defense contracting company, top secret, uh, designed computer, ruggedized computer engineer. Wouldn't you know it, in 2006, he was killed in a car accident along with one of his daughters. His son was severely brain damaged. His other daughter was brain damaged. His wife, who Mary had led to the Lord a couple months before they got married, didn't get a scratch, but he was killed. The only brother of five that was saved. Thank God he was the one. And at his funeral, when I got to preach it with his pastor, he ended up going to a Baptist church in Minneapolis. I want to tell you this. Mary and I had a burden for these five brothers. There's four brothers left, and we still have a burden for them. And we pray that God will send somebody to them because we're not there. Her one brother owns a civil engineering company, big company in Grand Forks. Well, about 10 years ago, he goes to the University of North Dakota to job fair day and sets up a booth. Guy comes along and looks at the engineering, said, oh, are you graduating from engineering? Yeah. Oh, are you looking for a job? Yeah. Well, fill out this resume application, fills it out. Mary's brother hires him. Unbeknownst to Mary's brother, he goes to Bible Baptist Church in Laramore, North Dakota. He is a brother in Christ. His desk is right next to Mary's brother's desk. He loves him. He's a good testimony. He wants him to become a partner in the business, but he can't because it would be an unequal yoke. We prayed that God would send somebody to her brothers. There's a witness every day. He's staring at him like this. Don't tell me prayer doesn't work. Father Abraham, send somebody back. You got family that's not saved yet? You pray. If you can't reach him, God will send somebody to reach him. Firm believer. Firm believer. So there was prayer. Send a missionary. Verse 28. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this awful place of torment. The five brothers here, he had a burden for them. He was concerned about them. Do you know how I keep a burden? This, this may sound a little off the wall, but I'll tell you how I keep a burden. Everybody that I see, Caleb, going down the street, I imagine they're on fire. Like they're the human torch. Like they're on fire. Because if they die without Christ, are they going to burn forever? Yes. The only way that fire can be extinguished is if they get what? Saved. He had a burden. Do you care? Is your care button broke? I mean, people in this world, they're mean and nasty and vicious and scary. But you know what? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Don't be afraid of telling somebody about the Lord or giving them a track. God broke me of that a long time ago. I preached to 800 hell's angels at a funeral. Then I, I thought that was a once-in-a-lifetime deal. Then I preached to a 1,000 Mongols, an uh, outlaw motorcycle gang, uh, a Hells Angels and, an out, and a Mongol met in the biker bar, and they, they have this code. It's called SOS. Anybody know what that means? Shoot on sight. So the Hells Angel motorcycle guy pulls out his gun. The Mongols motorcycle guy pulls out a gun, and they shot each other. 
So they drugged the one guy out into the street who was in Tempe in a biker bar. I end up, through a series of God orchestrating, doing the funeral for the Mongol. The Hell's Angel guy, his girlfriend poisoned him. We visited him in ICU. I ended up doing that funeral. God got me over the fear of witnessing real quick. If you need boldness and you're scared and you're timid, you just ask God to give you a burden, give you a vision, and you'll get on fire for God and you will do it. You know what? You got to do it. You got to do it because there's people in hell screaming, Send somebody to my family! Send somebody! Most of the people that came to East Mesa Baptist Church in the last 31 years, whether it's the food bank, the closing ministry, whatever, Mary and I have always said this, somebody had prayed for them. I can tell you story after story. My grandma was a Christian. She took me to church when I was a kid. And boom, they get saved. I've had 70 and 80-year-olds get saved that their mother prayed for them when they were little and they were out in the world. The prayers do not dissipate and go away. God answers prayer. So they had a burden. The Bible says, how shall they hear without a preacher? Okay? He didn't want his brothers to go there. And why don't we who know the Bible's true have the same kind of burden? Well, I haven't been to hell. Well, thank God you're not going there. We need to have a burden. Look at verse 29. Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. You know, ladies and gentlemen, everybody has access to a Bible, but they don't read it. You and I have access to the Bible. We need not only to read it, which I'm sure you do, but then we need to practice it. Then we need to believe it. It's one thing to read it. But are you doing it? The Bible says, be not hearers of the word, but doers. So we can talk all day long. And soul winning is an interesting thing. Sometimes we think it's only for two hours on a Saturday morning once a month. Soul winning is, is a, and I'll explain this in a minute, it's a lifestyle. We witness to the people at the gas station, the grocery store, our co-workers, And friendship evangelism, all I'm saying is you can't reach what you don't touch. How many lost friends do you have? You know, some Christians are scared of having a lost friend. I think lost people should have, we should have, saved people should have lost people for friends. Not to do stuff with and party and act stupid, but that they look up to us and say, that's a stand-up guy. That's somebody that has his act together. That's somebody I can go to when I, when I have a need or a problem. Because you're nice and you're friendly. You don't curse and you're not stupid. You're not telling dirty jokes and they respect you. You know, sometimes we just got to earn the respect of people, earn the right to witness to somebody. They have the Bible, let them read it. We need to show them in the Bible so they'll believe it. The Bible's the incorruptible seed. We're born again by the Spirit of God and the incorruptible seed. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, this vision, this fire, this separation, the prayer, the burden, the Bible. Look at verse 30. 
No, they're not going to read it, Father Abraham. But if when one went to them from the dead, they will repent. Well, Jesus isn't raising from the dead anymore. He died once, he was buried, and he rose again, and he's coming back again. So we just need to tell them about resurrection. That's what Easter's all about. And they just need to believe, as Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Got it? It says here, they... But if one went to them from the dead, they will repent. They have to believe that one did come from the dead, and that's Jesus. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look at verse 31. And he said to him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets... If they reject the word of God, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. That, there was people in Jesus' day that saw Jesus. The Bible says Cephas and over 500 witnesses saw him, but they didn't believe even though he rose from the dead. The Jews said hey, he was just swooned and they stole the body and all these lies that the devil has. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, what we see in the passage, if we take... Just take a deep look at it. You see the reaction of a lost man in hell. You and I who are believers here in the church can take a lesson from this. There's a message for the church here. There's a message. I think there should be a vision in the church. Do I hear an amen? I think we should be on fire for God. I believe we should practice biblical separation. I believe, as we said this morning, the church is a house of prayer. We have a prayer list of, of probably a hundred different things. Health and, and salvation and all kinds of things. We should have a burden, a burden for the lost. Because if you don't have a burden, that means you don't care. And we sing that song, does Jesus care? Does he really care? You know... The Bible says, cast all your cares on Him, for He cares for you. He cares for us, but He cares for lost people. And He wants us to win somebody to the Lord. And we need to show them the Bible because they don't believe the Bible. And Father Abraham told them, if they believe not Moses and the prophets, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Joshua, if they don't believe the Bible, he said they're not going to believe even though someone rose from the dead. That's why they need faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing the what? The Word of God. Romans 10, 17. So tonight, ladies and gentlemen, will you ask God to give you a burden? Will you ask God to give you a vision? Will you ask God to help you to pray for those that He puts in your path? I told you how I keep a vision. I just envision people on fire, like human torches. And that is very effective for me. But when I got saved, I envisioned me in hell, suffering forever. You see, hell's not a place where people go and burn up, like a log on a fire. 
it's eternal torment. And the Bible says it's where their worm dieth not. I don't know how to explain to you how, some, how a body can burn forever in torment. I don't know how to explain that to you. I don't have to. It's just the Bible says that, and we believe it. I don't know how to explain to you because fire is, is, is blue, red, and yellow. That How can it be darkness and black? Someone said there's a black flame that's hotter than all of those. I, I don't know how to explain that. I don't even care to explain that. The Bible says it's dark. The Bible says there'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. I've seen somebody weep and I've seen somebody wail and I've seen them gnashing their teeth. They were writhing in pain. They were curled up in a fetal position, 72 pounds, dying of bone cancer and no meds, no morphine, nothing. My wife and I walked into his room in his trailer house and we immediately called hospice. We called a nurse in to shoot this guy up with morphine. He was suffering. When the Bible says writhing in pain and weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, but what's gonna, what they're going to experience in hell is worse than that. Worse than that. Why not ask God to give you a vision, give you a burden, pray for the lost, show someone from the Bible that doesn't believe, and be burdened for your family, somebody else's family, you could be the answer to somebody else's prayer. And I'm assuming everybody that's here tonight saved. One gentleman raised his hand, and I talked to him afterwards. He said he was going to talk to Brother Henry, praise God. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, it's easier to say, let somebody else do it than we do it. But if not you, who? You who? If not you, who? We all have this little circle of influence. I'm not going to run into the people you do. You're not going to probably run into the people I do. But God has put people in our paths that we can reach for Christ.